Hey everybody, welcome to the Culture Shop Podcast. My name is Stephen Adeboye and finally we are here live doing this in person because I'm tired of the Zoom calls. I had to come in and see my special guest in person because this is a lovely office. Um, I'm not going to mention where it is, but it has a nice view and it has beers. So if we're clinking to beers, it's because we're having a good time. So without further ado, I want to ask my guest to introduce himself. Thank you very much, Stephen. Appreciate the, uh, the intro. My name is Raj Mendir. I am director of a company called WIT. We are a startup advisory firm, a very boutique consultancy, where we provide very savvy support services to help um, startups and small companies grow in a very cost-effective manner. Everything from shadow CEO work, where you know we help startups and early-stage founders navigate building a startup, all the way to building out remote teams, mainly in Malaysia, where they can literally save 80% of the, of the cost compared to the UK market. But yeah, lovely to have you um, have you hosting me today yeah. and um, glad you're appreciating the view. No, and the view is amazing and the reason why I'm here is because of your story and when I checked your website, the idea of actually starting up a business is already a Herculean exercise on its own right. And the fact that you're helping a lot of these entrepreneurs to actually get to the point where they can do this remotely or have someone take care of the work is amazing. Um, what made you get into that mindset to, to actually get it done that way? So it starts probably from uh, the challenges I faced when it came to running businesses, building businesses. Um, I mean, I've been building service and startup related businesses for the best part of seven or eight years now. Um, prior to that, I worked in small firms, which obviously helped. Um, one thing I'll say is that entrepreneurial journey is not for the faint-hearted. Mm. It is really challenging. It's an emotional roller coaster, and yeah, strap yourself in for some really tough times and some even better good times. Yeah. Um, but what made me want to pull together WIT? Um, I guess that was born out of the challenges that I faced when it came to building out my own businesses. I mean, I used to be very frugal, very smart about how we spend the resources of the business. And if we only look at the UK market for services and, and staff, you're paying an arm and a leg when you can actually be a bit more savvy and learn how to be more resourceful with global resources and, and negotiating and, and being smart about how you leverage sort of advisors uh, around the UK as well. Mm. Um, so that's effectively where where it's born out of. Um, I mean, you, you typically tend to get non-exec advisors coming to startups and offering them a day a month for, yeah. say, two grand a month, mm -hmm. which, come on, for an early stage startup, that's that's ridiculous. Exactly, yeah. Right? I mean, even a grand a month is, is, is painful. Or they'll just turn up and say, right, I'll, I'll give you advice a day a month and I want 10% of your business. Mm. Again, these equity hunters, they're ambitious, they're audacious, but... <laughs> They're not right for the for, for startups. And so that's why I came up with the Shadow CEO concept where um, startups and early stage founders who genuinely need that help navigating and growing their business, um, they buy a certain number of hours of my time and then they can deploy it as and when they want because guess what? They're not gonna need to put out fires at every stage of the journey. Yeah. Um, and so that's where, that's where that got born out of and the whole remote resourcing to Malaysia. Um, Bit of background, my family's all from Malaysia. All right. I was born and raised here. It's a beautiful country. The food is incredible. Mm. And I mean, I'm a natural born foodie. <laughs> so for me, um, kill two birds with one stone by, you know, 
heading out there, building out teams for companies. And hey, the, the cost base for, for staff out there is around 20% of what you pay someone here. Nice. So as an example, if someone wanted someone to look after their digital marketing, social media, content creation, the UK cost, you're looking around about 35 to 40K per year. That's a lot. Whereas if you go out to Malaysia, you get someone with about five to seven years experience, mm-hmm. you're probably looking at around about 10K a year. Nice. So, and these are, these are jobs that can be done while you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Create the content, schedule the content, you know, reach out to companies, reach out to clients. My, my lead gen team's out there. Yep. My sales guys are there. Because guess what? They're, they're following processes that can be done easily out there mm. um, the same way it's done out here. So why, why foot the bill of a, of a local employee here when you can be a bit more savvy in, in building a startup? For most people, there's startups are side hustles. Yeah. Um, and do you really want to spend most of your, of your full-time pay packet on building that startup? No, be a bit smart, be a bit savvy. Mm. You know, talk to wit. Yeah, that's a bit of a cheeky plug there. <laughs> but hey, that's how. Well, that's the story of, of how of how it came to be, mm. and it's it's fascinating, right? Over COVID, the number of people who are sort of being very cautious and stripping back teams and having a very painful time as business owners. Um, this is almost like a I don't want to blow my own trumpet too much, but almost like a godsend for them because they mm. they can still operate their business. Um, but not have to worry too much about the overheads. Yeah. Okay, it's a sad process getting rid of long-standing employees, but to, con- to continue your business is in survival mode. Yeah. This is this was very, very useful. And so it was, it was a really nice experience to, to create such an impact on these small businesses who have so much passion about what they're building. Mm. And you know, it's, it, was, it was a really nice experience going, going through that and helping our clients, right? Yeah. Everything that I do needs to have impact, and when I'm able to see that come to fruition, it it brings me joy. Yeah, and do you know the great thing of what you just said? It came from the story that you've been in, where you've tried to build something by yourself, and then learn the pain points, and now you're giving value to others. Exactly, which is the most amazing thing because it's coming from a real source of understanding and empathy. Precisely, it's not just an everyday service that I've come up with. I've been through the entrepreneurial process. I've built my own businesses. Yeah. I've failed, I've won, mm-hmm. I've sold businesses, I've, ex- I've, I've had my successes, I've had my failures. Mm-hmm. And I, like you said, I'm taking all those pain points, all the challenges, and trying to plug in solutions so that people don't need to make those same costly mistakes that I made. Yeah. Right. And if I can help them on that journey, help them avoid those costs, because guess what? They're burnt costs. It's just, it's yeah. dead money. Mm. If people can save dead money. It's, it's worth investing into, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And it was it twenty percent? I think I just read somewhere twenty percent of new startups for the first year fail, and then I think it kind of climbs up as time goes on. That's quite a small percentage. I would expect that to be pretty, pretty high. Okay, so it might be higher. <laughs> Actually, I would say higher. It depends on. I would expect it to be be higher, but yeah, you're right. As as the years go on, mm. it becomes increasingly tough to keep keep businesses afloat until unless and until you get funding and then yeah. I mean funding only lasts a certain amount of runway mm. a certain amount of time before um, the cash may run out and, and if you haven't made something out of your business in in the nicest possible way mm. it's a shame but you got to go and kiss that goodbye yeah yeah and I think when you obviously it's like you've given a baby away once you kind of realize exactly I yeah mean, when you put your blood sweat and tears into a business it becomes your baby, it becomes mm. your life, it becomes everything you breathe about, you talk about, you dream about, yeah. in, in a good way and in a bad way, right? Of course. 
got to get through all the nightmares and sometimes <laughs> it, you know the worst times you have your sleepless nights mm. um worrying about all the challenges um but then at the best of times you have sleepless nights because you're celebrating at the bar yeah <laughs> and i think this is where if we want to talk about it, the shadow ceo comes in because essentially you're starting a business you, you like you said some people will have side hustles as businesses and they're now becoming ceo minded about okay i need to look after this i need to manage this resource marketing etc and they've got all these caps they have to wear and it's obviously going to drain them mentally but you have taken that overhead and said okay look there are people out there who can help and that's where it comes in yeah, um, do, do you see that value play out the best in terms of you know taking that leverage off and putting it on yourselves oh massively massively and look it's it's something that we really enjoy doing um there's there's nothing better than seeing someone who's really passionate about the business that they're building and really helping them break through these brick walls, right? Mm -hmm. It's never easy. I've been in that position a number of times. And, and I mean, luckily enough, I, I, I'm a bit of a networking whore, so I've got, mm -hmm. a bunch of, there's, I've got a very broad network I can tap into to help me solve my own problems. But not everybody has had the opportunity to build those networks and, and to have someone almost like a sounding board to help you build, build your business, help you go in the right direction. Because building something for the first time, there's only so much that Google can tell you yeah. without actually telling them the context. And like you say, they've got to wear so many hats. And in the startup world, CEO does not, it doesn't stand for Chief Executive Officer. No. It, it stands for Chief Everything Officer. <laughs> that, that is, um, it's a very true uh, phrase, right? Yeah. Um, you're literally doing everything under the sun from buying coffee for your team, even in that situation, right? To um, looking after the financing, looking after the HR side of things, the marketing, the, the sort of procurement side of things. Yeah. You're involved in every aspect of the business and you have to have a, your, your finger on the pulse at every juncture. And if you haven't got a sounding board, mm. you can very easily get caught up in the detail of the operations and lose, yeah. and lose sight of the actual vision and purpose of the business and fulfill that mission. Mm. It's, it, yeah, exactly. And I think that's where a lot of you know, startups kind of fail, or you know, if you're an individual solopreneur, if you're going to use that word, do you believe yeah. that it's, it's a good way to start as a solopreneur? Or do you feel like you should build a team around you to sort of help? I, I read someone the other day that a solopreneur is effectively someone who just likes doing. Mm. An entrepreneur is someone who likes building. So if, if someone likes to sit in a box and just do the same thing day in day out repetitively mm. you're pretty much going to be a solopreneur i mean an example of that could be say a mortgage broker mm. who is they'll be working on their own but they'll just be processing mortgages day in day out for their clients they're more of a solopreneur mm. but an entrepreneur is someone who is actually building a business right and they might still be involved in the doing but they have to keep a keep like a bird's eye view on the strategic side of things and, and think about how they're going to build that business and grow it into perhaps different markets, right. different regions, different geographies. I mean, just to give you a bit of insight on the shadow CEO side of things, mm -hmm. we, we deal with companies not only in the UK, but in the US, mm -hmm. um, speaking to a bunch of companies in Ukraine, helping them with their, with their sort of expansion strategy and how, for example, how to break into various different markets. And there's always value add you can bring to different companies it's about understanding which companies they are and whether there is actually a fit mm -hmm. um, 
yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenging journey. I, I still stand by that fact. <laughs> um, I've seen many people sort of brave it. Mm. Um, I've heard of many a story where people give up a little bit too soon, which is a shame, but um, you develop a lot of resilience, mm. you develop a lot of strength in building a business because you've got no choice but to deal with those tricky scenarios. You can't, you can't sort of offload it to your manager or delegate it to your team. Yeah. If you're coming up with a challenging scenario, you've got no choice, you've got to deal with it. Yeah. If a customer's upset, you've got to deal with it. If a supplier can't fulfill it, you've got to have that difficult conversation with them. Mm. Um, if something needs paying and you're strapped for cash and you've got to buy yourself more time, you've got to have that conversation. You haven't got you haven't got your accounts department to take care of that for you. So um, it's you literally, like I said, doing everything under the sun. Mm. Yeah, I just want to talk about that mindset because, like I said, building a business isn't easy. Having been an entrepreneur isn't easy. What do you feel is like the key components of you know the mindset to sort of even get to the point of resilience and just keep pushing? Because we know smart people who are very you know logical about what they want or creative about what they want. But they never get to that point where you say, okay, they gave up too early and they just kind of rear away. That resilience, that grit, what, what do you see as the reason for it and the qualities that you need to have to get there? I think number one, the number one thing to understand is the startups are chaotic. If you like to work in a very organised and regimented fashion, a very structured way, you're going to get let down very quickly because startups can be and are often very chaotic mm. with the best will in the world you can plan all you want but building a business it's 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 enjoyable but you'll you'll have your fun sort of tackling various different issues and 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 so on and so forth along along the way but when it comes to mindset and grit determination is is it's a non-negotiable. You have to have that determination, that perseverance. Mm. Um, because one day you'll wake up thinking, oh, this is great, it's going somewhere. Yeah. And then the next day you might think to yourself, oh, what am I doing this for? I'm just going to go and apply for another job. Mm. I'm going back into the working world. Um, and that is a cycle that can happen quite frequently, mm. especially at the early stages, but having that mindset of, of determination and perseverance to say, I'm going to build this because I believe in it. Mm. Um, and I feel that I can sort of build something either innovative or impactful in this in this in this marketplace. That that sort of mindset of drive and self determination is crucial. Mm. Another ability I would call it um, to have is to be able to parallel task. Okay, I mean, we've heard about multitasking. Mm -hmm. Multitasking is the same. Being on the phone and and making coffee. Whereas parallel tasking could be, in, in, the, in the context of a startup, you could be on the phone to a customer, having a phone call, but at the same time, you're on, the, you're on your laptop, you're drafting an email to another customer or a supplier, or you're doing some research, being able to juggle a number of different things at any one point in time and be able to sort of balance your focus and share your focus is very, it's, it's a very strong skill and ability to have because mm -hmm. What I've seen in my number of years of doing this and, and speaking to potential co-founders and actual co-founders is that everybody works in different ways. Yeah. And many people like to focus on one task at any one point in time and they struggle to split the focus or, or, or sort of jump between tasks at, along the way. In the startup world, 
that is quite that's quite commonplace. Mm. You might be on a sales call to someone and, and just in the process of drawing up their draft um, agreement with them, and you really want to get out to them, but at the same time, shit's hit the fan, and you need to address and tackle that issue at the moment. Yeah. You need to be able to drop things and, and really prioritize and deprioritize and reprioritize. Mm. Intraday planning is extremely important. Right? And what I mean by intraday planning is you have your you have your agenda for the day and the ability to slot in last minute things or rearrange your, your meetings within the day and being able to juggle your time is is an is probably a very critical skill to have. Um, so the mindset of that um, that malleable sort of almost like a you're almost like a, almost like a salmon right <laughs> slipping through the net right right having and um, having to sort of dodge everything and, and really navigate your way through uh, through a gauntlet mm. um, because it's every every day is a different day yeah and your 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 agenda will change every day mm. potentially every hour yeah. um, depending on on what comes up next mm. so having a mindset of of being able to focus on the big picture is crucial mm-hmm. but also being able to sort of be flexible enough to, to maneuver within the business is also imperative too. Yeah. And, and, you know, just hearing what you just said, it just made me, you know, think of a question, which is something that I've always kind of wondered. Um, do you think entrepreneurs are made or born? Um, that's a tricky one. I know. It's a very tricky one. I'm... I'm tempted to say, and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, mm-hmm. because A, I'm a firm believer that you are a product of your environment. Um, I think many people will probably be able to relate to that. But one thing I would say is that entrepreneurs are made. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, at the, at the young age of 18, 17, mm-hmm. I was quite introverted. I was very shy, I was very quiet. Mm-hmm. Anybody who gets to know me today would never believe that. Right, today, right. I'm the polar opposite. I'm ridiculously extroverted, always talking, always having conversation, and always interacting with people. Mm. So if I look to myself at the age of 18 and say, could I be an entrepreneur then? I think I might struggle because you've got to have the guts to go and have a conversation with any Tom, Dick and Harry make uh, Mary Kate and Ashley under the sun. Yeah, you need to be able to tackle any issue, deal with any scenario, and have that conversation. Regardless, you know, go out, go out there and sell. You got to be able to sell and be ready to be knocked back a, a thousand times. Mm. And for someone who's quite introverted at the time, I wasn't an entrepreneur then, but I'm, I've, I've, I'm a now made entrepreneur today. Mm. Having said that, if I reflect and look back at my life. I guess I was a little bit entrepreneurial and it was encouraged from a young age. Right. From as young as 11. So when I was a kid, I used to go back to Malaysia for family holidays. That's where my family is originally from, my parents. Yeah. Um, beautiful part of the world, amazing food, beautiful beaches and incredible people. Very welcoming, very hospitable, very warming. Um, so I used to go back then and you know, get in the UK, you have your toys and your, your things that you, you enjoy. Um, I mean, I'm a little bit older, so I didn't have mobile phones in those days. 
They did, but they weren't exactly an iPhone. It's yeah. more like a... And the, the brick phone we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it was a Nokia, Nokia 5210 or 5110. Okay, the right. ones with the snake. Okay. Um, and so it's like these cool little sort of gadgets, toys that I thought, oh, I'd love to take it to school and show my friends. And I was encouraged to not just take it to them, but to buy it from Malaysia and sell it to them, mm. you know? Learn about learn about the traits of business. Right. And as simple as it was, you're buying at a cheap rate and you're selling at a at a higher rate, different markets, different prices. Yeah. So there used to be these um, the very first product that I sold to my school friends was a little tube of now that I look back, it's very toxic <laughs> chemical um, that you would blow. You'd put on the put a little bit of gum on the end of a straw. Yeah. You blow through the straw and you get these wonderful balloons, almost like a a blow bubble. Right. And you would seal that, and that bubble would be sort of fairly um, permanent. It wouldn't pop um, like the ferro liquid ones. <laughs> um, and they that that tube used to last seven or eight bubbles. Um, and that soon came to the UK market. I used to see it in various shops, and it was a lot more expensive than Malaysia. But right. when back when I was eleven, I used to buy them from Malaysia mm. for the equivalent of about three pence per tube. Yeah, and I would sell it to my friends at school for about twenty pence per tube. Um, and when I was down to my last one, I actually ended up having friends bidding for it. Now, <laughs> I'll give you twenty p. I'll give you thirty p. Yeah. I'll give you fifty p. And you know one of the one of the things that um, almost drove I wouldn't say drove me it wasn't a driver but it was something that was a, a nice byproduct. I was always encouraged to be very healthy and with the packed lunches mm. I didn't often used to get crisps or snacks or right. or any goodies like that unless I was playing cricket then I'd get a Mars bar. And so when I was at school I used to really crave a Mars bar and I used to ask my parents can I have some money for a Mars bar. Yeah. They say, no, 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 not very healthy. When you're playing cricket, you need the energy so you can have a Mars bar then. Yeah. I thought to myself, okay, how can, I, how can I get myself a Mars bar? I need to earn my way to get a Mars bar. So my driver was food <laughs> in an indirect way. Yeah, yeah. So I'd go to Malaysia, buy these, buy these little things I could sell to my friends and then have my own pocket money to, to go and buy my Mars bar from the tuck shop. So, I mean, it's, I look back many years ago when I was 11, um, I mean, Giving away my age, I'm now 34. Probably not far um, <laughs> So tw over 20 years ago, I look back at my my the very infancy of my what you can call an entrepreneurial journey, yeah. and it was exciting for me. It was fun, mm. and I've been lucky enough to have various successes along the way. And 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 I I'm a very firm believer in doing what you love. Mm. Because when you do what you love, you end up loving what you do. Yeah. And you enjoy the work that you do. Um, and it kind of takes a little bit of the, the relentless stress off from the entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. And John, this is just the final question because I realize this is a good point to end in. When we're talking about purpose and the reason why you do what you do. I think when I did the podcast, there was a lot about entrepreneurship and, you know, oh yeah, we can make millions and, you know, go and buy yachts and spend that money and impress people, right? But at the end of the day, you're left with your decisions. You're left with the reason why you started the business. You're left with 
all the success, but all the fallbacks that happened, that's on you. And that was a bubble at the time. And now I think with the market and where things have been since the pandemic, it's kind of obviously shown who's really here for the long term. Purpose is still an important thing. For you, what, I mean, entrepreneurship, purpose, why you do what you do, is that something that will always be who you are as an entrepreneur? Do you think people need to identify with their purpose to find out who they need to be as an entrepreneur? Or do you think it's just, okay, I can try this out for a while and then see how it goes? Purpose is important. Being pragmatic about business and being an entrepreneur is even more important. You can be passionate about your purpose, but if it's not gonna make money, mm. then leave it as a hobby. Right. Don't give up your day job, leave it as a hobby, do some good in the world, etc., etc. Um, I've come across scenarios through my various clients where they're so passionate about something and they, they believe in the, that, the, the purpose so much, which is fantastic, but there have been situations where creating a living, creating a viable business, a lucrative business out of such a purpose, it's not always the case. Mm. And so having that reality check almost is very, very important. Um, and yes, I, I, everything I do is with purpose, but I'm also very pragmatic. If it's not gonna, if it's not gonna make money, if it's not gonna be a potential lucrative business, I've got no interest in fulfilling it. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, there are founders and startups that make millions, make hundreds of thousands, and make billions. And when you, the, the journey of building such a venture is often the most rewarding one. Yeah. Um, and that gets to a certain point where money becomes less of a driver and fulfilling your vision is sort of the main, the main driver and money becomes secondary. Um, I mean, you look at Jeff Bezos as an example. Mm. He's trying to go to space right now. He, got, he went to space, he just landed himself. Oh, right, right, right. But, I mean, look at him as an example. He's worth nine or 12 figures of masses beyond me, yeah. um, 100 odd billion. Yeah. He had an unfortunate divorce, or fortunate, everyone will have their opinion. <laughs> um, his ex-wife donated a few billion to good causes immediately. And someone who's multiplied his wealth, albeit through his share in Amazon um, and other means, to not then give back to good causes, is probably someone who probably cares less about purpose. He probably cares more about the money. Right. But one thing, I firmly believe in, and it's a bit more a philosophical thing. Yeah. How many clothes can you wear per day? How many meals can you eat per day? Mm -hmm. How much air can you breathe per day? Mm -hmm. How many drinks can you drink per day? How many cars can you drive at any one point? How many shoes can you walk in mm -hmm. at any one point? So what I'm trying to say is that it's all well and good doing it for the money, but there comes a certain point where Insane amounts of money will not fulfill your happiness. Yeah. To an extent. Um, so I think having a purpose attached to your business has a higher chance of keeping you grounded and pinned to that vision and that purpose and that drive than the money factor. Mm. 
it's a very important lesson here because I think there's a threshold how much money you make that actually makes you happy. And then after that threshold, it's kind of, you know, just numbers at a certain point. And yeah, you can climb that number, and, you know, from a million to a billion or whatever the case may be. But the passion, the purpose, the vision, all of that. And I, and I know with the whole Jeff Bezos comment, he still has a vision. I don't know where his vision is, like he wants to go to space, so that was his vision, right? So at least there's something that he's gearing towards. But the money itself is just money, right? Once you said, once you purchase your cars, your clothes and stuff, you can only wear it once a time or whenever. And at some point, people will see for what you are, like, okay, you're the rich guy. But you being rich doesn't actually improve your perception after a certain threshold, right? Exactly, exactly. And you mentioned earlier about the whole mental health factor. Um, if money keeps you sane, go for it. Yeah. But in life, there are a number of different factors that will contribute towards your sanity, your mental health. And in the entrepreneurial journey, looking after your mental health is going to be an important factor. And that's probably a clear message to give to everybody. Yeah. As it's like I said, it's an emotional roller coaster. It's challenging. It's tough. It's enjoyable. Um, but yeah, take care of yourself. Mm. Give yourself some, give yourself some rest, give yourself a break. There was a time when I was building a recruitment business, um, built it for five years. It was a fantastic business, built it with one of my really good friends from university. And, I didn't take a proper holiday for a good two years. Mm. And when I did, I reminded, my body reminded me of the rest that it needed. Mm. You know? Rest, yeah. relaxation, recovery. Um, and as much as I'm the kind of person that always wants to be active and doing something and being productive, um, taking care of your, your body, taking care of your physical state, your mental state is, is extremely crucial. Yeah, because you want to do it for a long time. Absolutely. And that's Absolutely. the key, right? Precisely. All right. That was a nice way to end the podcast, I think. But, so, guys, I hope you actually enjoyed listening and taking some gems from, from this episode. Um, where can they find you on social media? On social media, they can find me at Raj Mendir. That's R-A-J-M-E-N-D-H-I-R. I think that's my Instagram, my Twitter. Mm. I'm normally fairly active on Instagram. Right. And... Best, best place to find me would be on LinkedIn. Nice, nice. I'll drop all the details on, on the um, podcast in the description. Um, and that way you can follow him and his journey and ripped, obviously, WIPDD.com. WIPPD.com. Okay. Mr. And on there, startup founders, if they've got any challenges, they can book in for a free 15 minutes office hour call. Awesome. awesome. At any time. Yeah, because I know a lot of my listeners are obviously trying to be entrepreneurs. And they are just starting their journey. So this is a great starting point. So glad to have you on the podcast. I'm glad to help. All right. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoy your summer and take care. Hey, podcast listeners. Thanks for listening. And thanks for my special guest. And thanks for clicking that play button. But I need you to do four things for me. I want you to like, comment, subscribe, and share this content. It will help tremendously with the growth of this podcast and I'm producing more content than ever. So I want you guys to be the first to know and I want others to know as well. So do those four things for me and help this podcast grow to a bigger platform. Thanks for listening.